Welcome to Full Blown Coverage, just another football podcast no one asked for. Spring is here, and that can only mean one thing if you're a football fan. The NFL Draft, held in Cleveland, Ohio. Coverage for the first round of the draft begins on ESPN this Thursday, April 29th at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, with rounds two and three following on Friday and rounds four through seven on Saturday. Today, we'll dig in with my co-hosts, Andrew Irvin and Ken Menard, both of whom are former producers for ESPN and have experience working the draft. But before we do, congratulations are in order for Drew, as he and his wife, Ashley, have just welcomed their firstborn into the world last week. How are you feeling, Drew? Yeah. No, I'm super tired. I I looked over over some things this morning to... uh, in preparation of this conversation. And I, I couldn't remember Sam Darnold's name for like <laughs> three minutes. And I'm like that. I think of all players, that's probably the guy we've maybe talked about most for whatever reason on this podcast. And I'm like, I can't, I cannot remember his, his name. So apologies ahead of time. I'll probably say Josh Fields instead of Justin Fields amongst other mistakes, but <laughs> well, congratulations, all right. Man. You, you, you have a legitimate excuse and we forgive you. And we're just Thanks. glad that you even, uh, Shut up, you negligent father. Yeah, my Tied wife's not too happy head. about it. <laughs> but hopefully this thing starts paying the bills one day. Yeah. So before we dig in here, I, I'm also curious, since Ken and Andrew, you, you guys have both worked, worked the draft in some capacity or another over the years when you were at ESPN. Uh-huh. Yeah. Tell me about it. I did the NFL draft in 2000. Uh, I was a PA on that. Uh, we, we told the Tom Brady story on our show before about his highlight. Um, and then I, I was doing graphics for 2004 and 2005. So that's that Eli Manning, uh, Aaron Rodgers year, years, or Alex Smith. Um, and then I produced the first ever day three of the NFL draft in 2010. So that was the year that um, Sam Bradford was taken number one. Um, and I think we mentioned it on the show before that was, that was the year that, uh, Gronk and Aaron Hernandez were drafted and Aaron Hernandez was the only one who didn't show up to our shoot. I remember this draft so specifically and Andrew will appreciate this. We have this buddy named Leif who actually is a writer for, uh, the show Tosh. And I remember I was at Leif's uncle's house. Who's the head of comedy central. And they have this really amazing, you know, backyard with, the pool and the, you know, built out with all of the rocks and they got a TV out there and stuff. But I, I distinctly remember watching that draft uh, just because of where I was, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, you always do, man. You always do. And uh, so that was cool. That was really cool. And then um, 2011, I worked on the draft as well. Um, and that was it, but it was um, a lot of preparation, a lot of reading, a lot of uh, finding things, <laughs> video, headshots, uh, anything like that. Uh, just double checking and double checking things to make sure that they're right. Um, because you have so much time to be able to build these things uh, beforehand. Um, but it was, uh, I always liked it because I was an NFL draft fan, you know, as a kid. I loved it. So it was always in, uh, one of those things that was a lot of work, but it was easy for me to do. Um, so I, I, it was one of my favorite, favorite things to do. Like I, I, one of my goals when I started out was to produce the NFL draft and I got to do it. So it was pretty cool. 
Awesome. One thing that one thing I think it's interesting, and I, I have a different perspective. Well, I probably have a a similar perspective as Ken, but I was much lower on the totem pole when I worked on the NFL draft. Um, and I don't think the average fan would under would realize like how much work actually goes into it. Like, for example, just the highlights that you see after every player is drafted. Like, one of my jobs, you get you get like five conferences or four conferences or something. So I say I had like the ACC, the PAC 12 ACC or whatever, you have to cut all the highlights for those players when they get drafted. But when we were doing it, like they're physical tapes that you have to carry. So starting in like January, you know, um, save Randall Cobb was one of the guys that I remember uh, that was in the draft I did in 2011. Um, You're, you know, you're Googling, his best games he had in college and you're pulling those physical tapes and then you're carrying them across the ESPN campus. And then you're scrolling through every game and being like, Oh, that was a, that was a sweet play. And then you clip that off and you probably clip off like a hundred plays and maybe four of them make the actual highlight that you see that actually airs. And it's just one of those TV things. And I'm sure you understand uh, in with your movie background, but like people see these 30 second highlights and they don't realize like hundreds of hours of work goes into I mean, like I, 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 say that, I say that all the time about film production where it is, these things are designed to be digested seamlessly. And yep. the whole point of digesting them is to not think about how they were made. Mm-hmm. But if you mm-hmm. actually stop and start to think about what had to happen to produce this very finite, amount of time on a broadcast or in a film it's remarkable especially like you know those highlights are 30 seconds but there's 250 players that you have to have highlights of multiply 250 times 30 seconds and that's a full movie you know back when i I was a pa drew the tapes that we had were a lot bigger a lot bigger so we were having like these like bins of tapes and like a trolley like a hand cart that we'd have to roll into the into the edit rooms or to clip them off and everything. And, um, you know, back then going for 200 highlights was a big deal. And then when ESPN mostly went digital and HD, now they could just, they could just, they just take the plays off of the server and they cut them. Yeah. Uh, kids these days together. don't even know what a tape they is. Have no idea. But one thing I Amazing. will tell you was really cool though. So when we get down there, um, you know, being in the producer role and then like the co-producer role uh, doing it, you know, we're, you're sitting in a meeting room and there's 30 people in that room and it's the producer, the director, it's uh, Chris Berman, um, Tom Jackson was in there, Steve Young, Adam Schefter left the room every 10 minutes to go to answer a phone call. Um, <laughs> you know, like Todd McShay was in there and Mel was in there and, uh, you know, uh, who else was doing it? Steve Young, if I mentioned him and you know, Trey Wingo and uh, Trent Dilfer did it one year. Um, so just being in rooms with those guys and having them talk about football and like all of the draft preparation and breaking down film. Oh, I'm sorry. John Gruden did it the two years that, uh, that I was producing too. So uh, Jaws, it was just a really, that being in those meetings was really pretty cool. Um, and yeah. the funny thing is, you, uh, Drew, Drew could probably answer this question. The guy that 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 had the biggest presence when he walked in the room amongst Hall of Famers, uh, Hall of Fame football players, Super Bowl winning coaches, Super Bowl MVP, uh, NFL MVPs, who got who had carried the room the best? 
Uh, amongst those people that you just uh, named? Yeah. Or someone else? Chris Berman. Not even close. He walked yeah. in the room. You knew that guy was there, man. Um, so, the, you know, the, those were those were pretty cool. And I just sat there. I was a fly on the wall in the back. Uh, I remember one year Dan Jeremiah came. Uh, so I met Dan, uh, talked to him for a little bit. And then I think the next year he started at uh, NFL Network. And now he's in our draft guy. He's really good, too. Um, yeah. So th- that was pretty cool, man. Just uh, like I said, getting to be in rooms with with all those people and just hearing them talk about the process and stuff. And, you know, hearing those kind of like back and forth between like Mel and John Gruden about what they think of certain guys. And I remember reading something uh, this week, how Mel said the one prospect quarterback prospect that he um, is still surprised that he was wrong on was Jimmy Clausen. Huh. Jimmy Clausen got drafted uh, in one of those years. And he was like, ha- he was pounding on the table about this guy's going to be great. I think people have him undervalued. He's really good. Obviously we know it didn't really work out. Uh, and then in the article, uh, you know, Mel said that uh, he couldn't believe he was wrong on that. But, Interesting. Uh, so it was pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, and Mel's a good guy too. Really nice guy. So is Todd. Yeah, Todd. The 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 memory I have similar to that was I I was like 27 or something like that, and all these highlights I cut um, afterwards. Like Todd McShay would come and sit with me and like look at all the highlights that I did and stuff like that. And you know, it would either be like, hey, you should find this play from. Mm-hmm whatever september 17th against purdue mm-hmm. or something or like oh that's a great find but like it's pretty cool to actually go through that yeah. scouting process and everything and see what they see but it also shows you like that nobody has any idea what like mm-hmm. those guys it's their full-time job and they're like massively wrong a lot mm-hmm. and the draft i worked on was 2011 i don't know if you remember the top three quarterbacks from that year, but it kind of feels similar to Cam this Newton. year where Cam Newton went one, but also in the top 10 were Jake Locker and Blaine Gabbert. And yep. those, those, guys, those guys, one of them's, one of them's retired and the other one probably should be, but he did win a Super Bowl ring. Um, hey. Hey, like, I, like I said, like I said earlier, man, we, we bent over backwards to put together a Giovanni Carmazzi highlight, you know, in uh, February and the drafts in April. And a week before the draft, we put together a Tom Brady highlight. Mm-hmm. You know, now they roll the other, that in every year. The other Crazy. thing that's funny about the other thing that's funny about that draft about having no idea ahead of time is that was also the draft. The Seahawks took um, Richard Sherman, KJ Wright, uh, Byron Maxwell, and Super Bowl MVP Malcolm Smith. All of those were later than the fourth round, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember Mill Kiper gave him a D plus grade like the Monday <laughs> afterwards yeah. and it won them a Super Bowl. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Those are always my favorite in retrospect. I'm like, I remember you talking all yeah. the shit about these picks and those are the ones that wound up being the best <laughs> picks in the draft. Yeah. yeah. So, and that's their full-time job. So mm-hmm. it's, it's just crazy. And they, and Mel starts, they start, I didn't, I believe, I know Mel does. I'm sure the other guys, they start studying like the top high school prospects so they can mm-hmm. monitor them in a college and have, you know, draft prep ready hey here's on the horizon here who's coming so i mean their their prep work goes even deeper than than anybody would think as well so it's almost gotten too deep well it'll be fun to have you guys on this particular pod then since you have the experience working the draft Mm -hmm. and let's get into it then with without further ado football's Last season was the first of its kind for both the NFL and NCAA in light of the pandemic. And the offseason that has followed has been 
arguably even more unusual. With no formal combine, teams have had to rely on game video, virtual visits, and individual pro days to evaluate prospects, which means this draft has the makings unlike any other. Moreover, with some strong parity between this year's prospects, there are sure to be some big surprises. But let's start with what we do know. DraftKings has Trevor Lawrence's odds at negative 10,000 as the number one overall pick, which means he's probably already shopping for real estate in Jacksonville. Ken, are there any other prospects with a realtor on speed dial? Ah, poor guy. If there's one place in Florida I wouldn't want to live, it would be Jacksonville. But uh, <laughs> no, absolutely not. He's the slam dunk, no-brainer first pick of the draft. But they need a hell of a lot more than just a quarterback. Uh, if they expect to be successful anytime soon. Ken, what um, this question actually means is what are other picks that um, are virtual locks, do you think? Oh, virtual locks down yeah. the road? I thought you no, meant no, like, no. In the first is there anybody round, that's going to challenge him? No, so in the first round, we know the Jags okay. are taking, we know the Jags are taking <laughs> Trevor Lawrence. All right. What teams are definitely taking oh. this prospect in this draft round one. Oh, okay. The reason why I was so excited actually, by the way, is because I had some great Gardner Minshew stats, but I, I can save them yes. for later. Okay. Future Seattle um, Seahawks. Yeah, probably. Um, no, obviously Zach Wilson's going to go number two. Yeah. Mac Jones is probably going to go number three or Kyle Shanahan wouldn't have had a fit at the media the other day. Yeah. And just in case our audience doesn't know, According to Shanahan, this is probably going to be the first pick to elicit booze of the draft. <laughs> because yeah. in what appeared to be preemptive damage control, he defended this selection during a media conference by essentially touting that the fans know nothing and that he's taking who he's taking, no matter mm -hmm. what the fans, the media, or even his GM think about it. Mm -hmm. Which means I wouldn't expect this kind of defensiveness if they're selecting Fields or Lance, right? Both of those guys are totally justifiable as a third overall pick. And when Shanahan added, unprompted, that Drew Brees and Phillip Rivers would be great quarterbacks in any era, sure sounds like he's drafting a stone-footed quarterback, and that yeah. man is Mac Jones. Would I draft him here? No, but I'll be eating popcorn in the front of the television in my Jamal Adams jersey when he does. <laughs> Oh, you're right. I, uh, I, I think Atlanta is definitely trading out of number four. Um, you do. I think, I think you don't, they are you don't think they go a quarterback or, or Kyle nope. Pitts maybe. I think they, I think they trade out of four. They need defense. Um, yeah. and if they can get more picks and get more defensive players and maybe get another offensive players, but their, their offense wasn't on the field when their defense was given up 37 points a game or whatever the hell it was. Um, yeah. the other, the other one, um, uh, I think the Cowboys are definitely going to go defense. Yeah. I think they kind of have to. I think they kind of have to. Anybody um, in particular you're thinking? I, I, well, I, I, I'm thinking they're going to take J.C. Horn from South Carolina. They need a corner. They've had a bad secondary for a while. I think that's the guy they're going to take. Very physical player, rising up draft, draft boards, Joe Horn's son. Um, and uh, I, I, I was actually cell phone with him. Yeah, exactly. I was actually going to say, like – I don't know why, but it seems to me, I mean, maybe I'm dead wrong on this, but like people, guys coming in the league now whose dads played in the league for some reason seem to be pretty damn good quality players. So um, same with Sir Patrick Sertan. 
Uh, but I, that's I where I think... actually think they're going here. That was mm-hmm. I agree with you. They're going defense. I think Sertan's going here. Well, uh, the only reason why I disagree with you more is because I think I think Denver is going to trade up, either trade up to four with the Falcons, and the Falcons mm-hmm. can take him at nine, or they're going to trade enough. for Garoppolo, one or the other. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, speaking of Garoppolo, the only person that I think really needs a realtor is Jimmy G, and it's not to yeah. buy a house; it's to sell a house. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, it'll be that's, harder to date. That's for yeah. sure. It'll be a little more difficult to date porn stars somewhere else other than California. I would like to submit one other virtual lock pick, (laughs) which you both will enjoy, is that the Bengals are taking Panay Oh, yes. He may have opted out last year after winning the Outland Trophy, but he only allowed one sack in two seasons and none in 926 snaps as a sophomore. He also looked the part during his pro day, and the Bengals are in desperate need of help protecting last year's number one pick, Joe Burrow. So I expect I expect Sewell to be in a Bengals uniform next year. I'll be eating queso on Thursday. That's a lock. Ooh, there's a that's a good there one. You go. lock. There you go. <laughs> I should ask Andrew, are there any other locks we're missing here? No, that's my my lock was Jimmy G is gonna get traded. Jimmy like, G I and don't. Queso. Okay. Yeah. Queso is a lock for sure. That's a hundred percent lock. Jimmy G again with the Shanahan press conferences um, really wouldn't commit that he'll be on the roster on Sunday. And it doesn't make sense if, if they're going to listen to things. Um, And, you know, I, if he can stay healthy, man, like Jimmy G can get it done. Um, I I just don't, I don't see him being on the team after that trade was made. Yeah. There's no, there's no, unless they're really not offered anything of value. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just, that's my lock. If he gets traded. I agree. And you know, a destination, Ken and I talked about this a little bit earlier on the phone before the podcast, which is what the fuck are the Texans yeah. going to do? Yeah. They don't have a first or second round pick in this draft. They arguably don't have a quarterback anymore. <laughs> they seem like a team that should probably trade for Jimmy, but what are uh, they going to uh, give San Francisco? No, I was going to say they should, but th- th- they're not in a place where they should be giving up any draft picks. No, they can't. No, they don't no, have it. They can't. They don't, they don't have, have any. To give up. Well, to begin with. well, if if the season started today, their quarterback would be Tyrod Taylor, assuming <clears throat> that Deshaun Watson is. They, they, they could whatever. just start to mortgage their decade. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. Start giving away picks. Yeah. They went from being a perennial playoff team to like last year. They awesome. were in last year. They were up on the Chiefs in the playoffs. Unreal. Big, Dude, yeah, twenty-eight nothing. Right? It's unbelievable. It's <laughs> yeah. like twenty-eight nothing. It is. Yeah, ago. talk about just like decision leprosy. You hey, know? here's a here's another team. I wouldn't. I was thinking I wouldn't be shocked. Like, okay, so let's be real: the Jags, Jets, Niners, Broncos, Bears. Redskins and Patriots are probably going to come away with a quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. What here's a team I was thinking of that that may want to look at look at drafting a quarterback, and that's the Vikings. Just because yeah, you really don't know how much it. longer longer Kirk Cousins has. They have a lot of good players, but a lot of them are getting old. Like they have a really good roster. It wouldn't shock me to see the Vikings take like Kyle Trask or something, you know, late in the first round or something like that, or in the second round. 
the only reason I disagree with that is because of um, Zimmer's absolute disgust for his defense, and he's a defensive guy. Yep. Ugh, it would. I just think it would be. It's going to be hard for him to not try to improve the defense, just yep. mm-hmm. knowing that that's where where his heart and soul is, and how mm-hmm. disgusted he literally said, you know, how bad his defense was. Um, so. I think they'll go defense, and I'm not saying you're wrong. They probably should think about a quarterback. Well, I'm saying, like, let's say Kyle Trask drops to the second, is in the, you know, drops to the second round, and there, there, it's possible for somebody to maybe trade back up early, late into the first round to draft him. But if he's around, I wouldn't be shocked to see the Vikings take him. But as far as the Texans go, you can if they're going to suck everywhere else, they might as well just play Tyrod Taylor for the year and hope for the best because they're probably he's not, not bad even either. Be good. No, he's not, and they're and it, they're. Even if they have Deshaun, they were horrible last year. Right. What are they going to – but it's just kind of interesting. It's like nobody's mentioning this team. Like, what the hell are they going to do? They're horrible everywhere. And now they lose their best asset. All right. Outside of Lawrence, there are a number of other high-profile quarterbacks expected to go early in the first round. We've talked about Zach Wilson going to the Jets, Mac Jones going to the 49ers. But we also have Trey Lance and Justin Fields. Like any other year, that means there's two draft boards, the quarterbacks and everyone else. Following the Jags and the Jets and the 49ers, the Falcons could also conceivably draft a quarterback with pick four. Drew, where do you think Lance and Fields lands? Yeah, so I'm not quite as sold on the Falcons keeping Matt Ryan. I they, Maybe they will and maybe there's people in their organization, but you got to think that the ownership needs to think long-term and I, I've said this before, just, just like changing up what you already have. Like, does anyone think if the Falcons took uh, a traded down and took a cornerback or even if they took uh pits, if they're going to win the Super Bowl this year or make you the playoffs even. Um, so I actually think the Falcons should take a quarterback and I think it should be Trey Lance. I think of anybody he could use the year of development. They don't need to rush into it, um, but they would they would turn a new page similar to what the Chiefs did with Mahomes. Um, so I'd like to see the Falcons take Trey Lance. And I don't know Fields is a weird one. Fields to me feels like he's I could I could somehow see him making it his way to the Patriots um, or the Broncos or even what we've talked about the uh, the Panthers. Might, might take a stab at him too and just see who wins there. So, well, it's, it's funny you say this because I agree with you uh, that the Falcons are doing, uh, you know, a change of the guard here. I think they're taking a quarterback. I think the opposite of you. I think they're taking Justin Fields. And a, a big part of that is that he's a Georgia native, he's a homegrown boy. I, I think Atlanta is sort of into that. Um, and that it'll get the fan base behind him. But I was going to say, in, in they also transferred like, from Georgia and left, right? But Fields has sort of dropped out of this conversation of being, you know, one of the top tier quarterbacks. And I feel like people don't talk about him enough. I mean, he looked like an NFL quarterback in last year's semifinal game against Clemson. He had six touchdowns in a win despite suffering an earth-shattering hit to the ribs that would have put most of us in a coma. I, I think this guy is a big play quarterback that plays well under pressure. And, uh, you know, he may have to study for a year under Matt Ryan, who's 
Atlanta's quarterback for now, but rest assured, I, I think that guy's the, the quarterback of the future for Atlanta. Well, for, I, I, I disagree with both of you guys. I mean, think about that. Think about this way. Who's their coach right now, right? Arthur Smith. What did Arthur Smith do? He made Ryan Tannehill a better quarterback. He made him a better quarterback by building an offense that he could fit into, right? No one's sitting here saying Ryan Tannehill is the greatest quarterback of all time or even close. But, I mean, we're, we, wouldn't have, we wouldn't have been surprised if they made it to the AFC Championship game again or maybe made it to the Super Bowl based on the entirety of their roster. So I think Arthur Smith goes down there, um, and he, he's like, we can win with Matt Ryan now. I don't see any reason why we can't. Why not ride this out? Since I'm not in love with any of these guys, it's going to make my job harder my first year. And really, let's be real. <clears throat> Matt Ryan's not, like I said before, Matt Ryan wasn't on the field. Julio Jones wasn't on the field. Calvin Ridley, when, they get, when their defense gave up all those points with a defensive head coach in the last couple of years. For me, I th- like I said, I think the Falcons are trading out of that pick. Um, I think Fields will wind up going to like Denver or Chicago. Um, but I think, I think Trey Lance is going to the Patriots. I I agree with you about Trey Lance going to the Patriots and which is why I said kind of the flip of of what Mm -hmm. Drew said. I, the thing for me though, is, you know, Tannehill went to a new team and got a fresh start and started over. Yeah. Arthur Smith's a new coach, but I don't know, man, Matt Ryan feels like a tired Falcon. Mm -hmm. Like I, I think the best thing for his career even is to go somewhere else. You know, I mean, he's been playing for that team for what, 12 years, you know, I think it's I it, it's time for them to do something different. Hey, you, that's a great point. Imagine what those ten minutes are going to be like. Let's say, okay, now in my opinion, the Falcons are standing pat um, because they actually want to see what the hell happens really happens with the first three picks. But think about those ten minutes from when, let's say, Mac Jones gets drafted to when the Falcons actually have to pick the offers that are going to be coming into them last second, those 10 minutes are going to be where the draft draft starts. I I don't disagree with you that if somebody is going to give them the house and picks Mm -hmm. that they're not going to trade down out of that. And Mm -hmm. that could very well come from the bears could come from the Patriots. It could come from Washington, but Mm -hmm. I, I actually think the lions are going to trade down with the Pats. I think the Pats are going to get Trey Lance at seven. I think that if Trey Lance is a great fit because you have Cam now, everyone knows Trey Lance isn't ready to play. So now Belichick, who is actually a great quarterbacks coach, actually gets this guy who's very raw and doesn't have a lot of experience and is like, listen, listen, dude, I've won six Super Bowls with the greatest quarterback of all time. If you listen to me, you have a chance to get there. And all of his intangibles are off the charts. Um, everything else is off, everything else off the charts, his ability, his arms, all that stuff. It's just not a lot of tape. Right. right. So now he's getting this guy who's very raw. Right. And he could just mold him into exactly what he wants while he has cam play for a year, maybe two. And I, yeah. I so I, I definitely, I think Trey Lance is going well, to real quick. I just want to say when you bring up the Patriots and you bring up the bears and you say trade the house. So now the Falcons are not getting a top 15 player because the Patriots have the 15th pick and the bears mm-hmm. have the 18th pick. So they're getting a middle round pick and presumably a first round pick next year from a good team, from a team that's going to be in, again, like, what are you doing? If you're the Falcons, you now you have the same team and you have late first round picks. Yeah. I don't disagree with you. I just, 
I don't know when, when people get like really, you know, tasty draft picks put in front of them. I feel like sometimes they pull the trigger when they maybe shouldn't. You know? I agree. But is the bears pick tasty? It's 18th overall. They're going to trade down to 18. No, I, I think, the, I think the bears would have to ship more than a first round in a, in a second round or something. I think you're looking at possibly. Lest, lest uh, we forget. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Mark, go ahead. Go ahead. Lest we forget Falcons, probably their number one need is tight end. So they're probably just going to draft Kyle Pitts right there. Right. If they were smart, they would, but I don't, smart, I, I, I don't think, I don't think they do. I, I don't know. There's something to be said about getting a clean start. And I, I just, it feels like they're going to take a quarterback to me. Yeah. But, but when they want it, well, I get obviously maybe they, whether they, they're obviously going to keep Matt Ryan if they do, because wouldn't they? I well, mean, yeah, I think fields will be under Matt Ryan for a year, yeah. but then, you know, I think they'll trade him and, Fields will take over and it'll be his team moving forward. But let me ask you another question. Sure. Panthers acquired Sam Darnold from the Jets in exchange for three draft picks, which seems to indicate Carolina would exercise Darnold's $18.5 million contract option. Mm-hmm. Scott Fitterer, Carolina's GM, has been non-committal on Darnold's fifth-year option, says the team won't decide until after the draft do you think this means Darnold is nothing more than a one-year rental? And if one of the top five quarterback prospects is somehow still available at pick eight for the Panthers, do they have to pull the trigger on that? I would say, um, I mean, if they got an offer, they couldn't refuse. They obviously would I would have to consider that, but <clears throat> I, I don't think they do. I think um, – you know, a lot of people will tell you if Donald was coming out this year, he'd probably be the second best evaluated quarterback overall behind Trevor Lawrence, right? Um, I think, you know, a lot of that has to do with Matt Rule, thinking that he can work with them. They have good receivers. They have a good running back. Um, they need help other places. So, um, you know, everything they've said about Donald, blowing criticism about his work ethic, his leadership, uh, his preparation – I mean, his play hasn't really reflected that, but he's a guy that you can build around, you know, good leader, all that type of stuff. I, I, I mean, they also gave up a second-round pick to get him. Right. Second-round pick is a starter in this league. I, I, I think they're just going to give him a shot for a year and, and see how it goes. I think they can, I agree. I think they think they can fix him. I agree. I, I agree with you, too. Like, um, I think when they – like you said, when they drafted – when they sent a second-round pick, that that's their guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and – if, if Pitts is available, Devonta Smith, one of these guys that can help him out on the outside, yeah. uh, their defense is looking pretty good. I think they should stick with Darnold there, to be honest with I you. Agree. I, I, I just think it's a wasted second-round pick if you yep. if you draft a quarterback there. Yep. I totally exactly. agree. And second-round pick, second picks are valuable. Mm-hmm. All right. If the front end of the draft is quarterback heavy, then a few other prospects could tumble quicker than a GameStop short. But one team's pass is another team's steal. You're a thief and a liar. I only lied about being a thief. I don't do that anymore. Steal. Lie. Drew, are there any teams that will get away with highway robbery in this draft? Well, I will say this. Um, We've talked about four quarterbacks, and history has shown us they're not all going to be good. Some of them are going to be bust, um, unless this is the best quarterback draft of all time. Most of them will. Uh, Yeah, most of them probably will. So the Bengals are sitting at a place where they have the option of probably the best player in the draft. You could say non-quarterback, but um, 
if it wasn't such a quarterback heavy draft, Pen- but I Sewell could go. <laughs> Sewell could have gone number one in a different year. Um, Kyle Pitts could have gone number one in a different year. Right. Uh, it's just, it, it's a, it's a weird thing. So I, th- I think the Bengals are the highway robbery team because they're sitting at five and they have the ability to actually pick the best player in the draft. True um, that's not a quarterback. And I, here's how I agree with you. They should take Sewell, but the most Bengals thing ever would be to take Chase or Pitts yeah. <laughs> and not protect this guy that just got his leg completely obliterated and they drafted yeah. number one overall last year. So yeah. the Bengals could either stop being the Bengals and take Sewell, who is an equivalent of a number one overall pick that's going to shore up your offensive line for five years, or they could do a Bengals thing and take the exciting wide receiver, and we'll see what they do. I don't have high hopes for the poor Cincinnati fans. Yeah, hopefully they don't fuck this up. This is uh, exactly this is like elementary math to me. You take Sewell here, no question. Either and if you don't like Sewell, take Slater. Like they have to protect their quarterback from last year. Yep. Yeah. Ken, what do you think? You got any uh, steals? Somebody's getting away with in this draft. Um, I think uh, whoever drafts Devontae Smith gets a steal. And he may not go until the teens or the 20s based on what other teams needs or based on trades. Um, when I just did my mock draft, I had him going 20th. And um, I think that's going to be the steal of the draft. Teams are going to talk their way out of picking him because of his size. And, well, really, you know, you, you, there, his comparison right now would be Marvin Harris, right? Um, um. And – I just think that you're getting a really good football player, not just a receiver. You're getting a great football player from a great system who could do a lot of things for your team outside of just catching the ball and making plays. But he was practically unstoppable last year. I mean, granted, he was wide open on like every play. Yeah. But still, like he does all of those things and like all the reports about this guy. Um, I think that that is whoever gets that guy they're getting away with highway robbery and it's probably going to be later than we think. I actually think your boys are taking him. I think the giants take Devonta Smith at number 11. Mm-hmm. I think you guys need an edge rusher and you should probably draft one, but I don't think Gettleman and judge will be a, uh, unable to resist the temptation of drafting the first ride receiver off the board to add to Jones's arsenal. And I think well, that's going to be Smith. And There's also you yeah, might sorry. argue that mm-hmm. Chase should go here, or maybe even Jalen Waddle. You could probably make an argument for, mm-hmm. but my money's on Smith. I think he offers more potential upside, and with Chase opting out of the 2020 season, more data to evaluate from. I, I Smith is fucking ridiculous. I mean, yeah, I think if he gets like, past, he shouldn't get past the Dolphins, in my opinion. Honestly, I mean, the Heisman Trophy winner is the only receiver in SEC history with multiple games of four or more touchdowns and holds the SEC record for career receiving touchdowns at 46, which, by the way, tops the previous record by 15. Yep. Yeah. And it's and you it's, got Joe Judge's Alabama connection. I mean, imagine George. Devonta Smith lining up with Kenny Galladay and Sterling Shepard. Well, they all he he also too much. He did it in the second best football league on the planet. And he also showed up in big games. He was unbelievable in the national championship game. He was unstoppable. 
Um, he's a great player. I, Anybody like, I, talking I, about like his wiry frame or whatever the fuck it is. Doesn't matter. Think, yeah, that, that shit to me, that's when that draft analysis starts getting mm-hmm. ridiculous. Yep. You start talking about how much guys weigh, you know? Yep. Give me a break. Plays great. I bet he plays great in space though, Drew. He probably does. <laughs> probably does. Yeah. Um, no, I, I uh, on, on the Giants note, it wouldn't shock me to see him trade out of this spot. <clears throat> but I think everything they're putting everything on uh, Daniel Jones' shoulders, and I I think at the end of the day, they're going to get another offensive lineman. They manufactured pressure last year. They did a good job. They shored up their secondary a little bit more. If you think about it, though, right? You have Galladay, Shepard, Darius Slayton, who's really good, Evan Engram. But let's not forget how great Saquon Barkley is as a pass receiver. Yeah, seriously, and I don't I think you need back- you. They don't you need, need to protect Joe. You need to protect exactly. Joe. I, I 100% agree with both of you. I, and you can attest to this, Ken. Yes. I, I do not think they will be able to resist the temptation. Yeah, it's temptation a, it, to take him. It's a valid point. And you can, because I mean, he's, he's going to fall there and he shouldn't. No, he's not. He's going to fall. I think he may fall past that. Yeah. You haven't fallen to what? 20? I am going to the Bears at 20. Wow. I mean, I, I think that about all of the wide receivers. And, and to Drew's point with, you know, technically Sewell's falling to the Bengals because when you have – if you're if you're looking, you know, strictly at like power projections, what are the best players in this draft, but then you have to start to evaluate what teams' needs are, you have guys going later than they should. And I think that's going to happen pretty much across the board for yeah. wide receivers in this draft. Yeah. To piggyback on – my theory that the wide receivers are going to be the biggest steals of this draft. And I have the Patriots sending their 2021 first round pick number 15, their second round pick number 46 and a 2022 first round pick to the lions in exchange for the number seven overall pick. I have the lions at 15 getting Jalen Waddle out of Alabama they don't have a starting level slot receiver or arguably even a starting level receiver at all. That can be fixed quickly with Waddle. He might have missed most of last season, but he's an elite wide receiver with preternatural speed, which is why he has three of the five longest scoring receptions in Alabama history with a career punt return average of 19.3 yards. I'd expect to see him make an impact on special teams for the Lions as well. I also have the Colts taking Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa the internal linebacker from Notre Dame, inside linebacker. They need help on the offensive line, but with the cream of that draft crop gone, they'll turn to their next greatest need and snatch Owusu Koromoa, a hybrid safety meets linebacker that can do it all and then some. He can some other rushers like a mama bear, cover receivers like glue or blitz like the wind. The winner of the Butkus Award in 2020 with 24 and a half tackles for loss in the last two seasons combined. The Colts will add another monster to a defense that already includes Darius Buckner and DeForest. Wait. DeForest Buckner both? and Darius Leonard. Yes, Darius Leonard. Sorry. Confusing yeah, right. too. That's all right. I I'll also forget. have the Falcons in a mock trade from the Bills in exchange for their 2021 second round pick, number 35, and their fourth round pick, number 108, taking Trevon Morig, the safety out of TCU, Buffalo, I don't think, needs any immediate starters, and they've drafted well in recent years. This leads me to believe that they'll trade down just far enough 
to address the needs they would have addressed uh, with the number 30 pick. The Falcons, on the other hand, as you both have said, need help at safety. And with the Jim Thorpe Award winner and top safety, the draft still on the board, in my opinion. They'll swoop in to grab him. Morig had nine takeaways and knocked down 26 passes over the last two seasons and will fill a much-needed role for Atlanta. I think both of these things happen. You know what's crazy? If Jalen Waddle didn't get hurt, how much would we really know about Jamar about uh, Devontae Smith? It's very like, true. Jalen yeah. Waddle in the beginning of the season, you're like, this guy's like the greatest college receiver. I think I've it's ever why seen. The, there's a there's a lot of analysts that have him going before Smith. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. Smith might not be the first Alabama receiver taken. I the, I, the I, Smith I agree. Chase Waddle thing is you might as well just flip coins. I mean, I. It'll be interesting to see who goes first. I had Waddle going to the Eagles at 12. Yeah. So you did have him going yeah, earlier first. than Smith. I did. Interesting. Because I, th- I think teams are going to talk themselves out of it. And he's just a real, it's like, um, it's like a Wes Welker. Just because Wes Welker was five foot seven doesn't mean he was a bad football player and he had a great career undrafted, right. you know? All right. Well, you've got the Jags, the Jets, the Dolphins, and the Ravens, each with two first round picks. Ken. How do these organizations make the most of their... You double-dipped the chip. Double-dipped? What, what, what are you talking about? You dipped the chip, you took a bite, and you dipped again. Well, I'm about to get to that. Uh, you would think <clears throat> that the Jets, um, being that Joe Douglas comes from Baltimore, where they always have good offensive lines for building the trenches, but... They need a pass rusher really bad. I think with their other pick, they're going with uh, Ojolari from uh, Georgia. Um, I just think they need it. They just need like a dynamic player on the, uh, you know, in uh, uh, on their defense. I wouldn't shop you to see the Jets trade that pick either to go back to go up or to go down. Um, which, which uh, I mean, let's let's like they did. They do have Makai Becton playing left tackle, so they have that shirt up, and they could always draft some a couple of guards or something. I've, or I've got him taking Zayvon Collins here, linebacker out of Tulsa. I, I like have him as guy. available. I like uh, that guy. I think you I could like make it. an argument that maybe a running back like Travis Etienne is the more entertaining mm-hmm. pick for them, mm-hmm. but yeah. they need a versatile front seven defensive player that can generate pressure and yeah. help them secure more than two wins. And since <laughs> defensive minded, he fits the bill. He's got size, yeah. strength, length, he can quickly become an effective pass rusher for them yeah. in the NFL. Agreed. Real quick Agreed. on that point. On that point, I think one one thing that's interesting about having two picks is I feel like you're play, you feel like you're playing with house money a little bit, mm-hmm. and we have gotten to the point with running backs where both ETN and Harris now would have been top five picks ten or fifteen years ago. Yeah. Um, I don't think you take them if you only have one first round pick. But if you want to short yeah, like two Jets and the Dolphins both need a running back and and those are two quality running backs. And it, it wouldn't shock me if both those teams took those either one of those guys. I, I think the Dolphins are taking AG Harris at 18. I think he's the first running back off the board. I mean, and that guy, that guy is uh he's an elusive power back. He can escape a crowd, evade a blitz. Also he had 43 receptions in 2020 and 70 receptions over the last two seasons. God, you got to expect Tua's, you know, going to take advantage of that pass catching ability if he goes there. I'm going to throw out a name here for a running back later in the draft. Uh, that's why I would never take one before um, the second, before maybe the second round, if they were really good, maybe even the third. 
mm-hmm. is uh, I know this might sound crazy, but Chuba Hubbard from Oklahoma State. You could probably Chuba. get that guy. Yeah, you could probably get that guy in the second in the, in the second round, probably like the fifth or sixth round. Plus, he, he rushed for 2,000 yards two years ago in the last yeah, non-COVID awesome. season. He's uh, he's he was great. And um, I, I I feel like that like Chuba Hubbard's a guy you could draft like late in the draft and just plug him in there and not have to worry about your uh, I, I agree with your point, but I, I just don't think that it's valued enough to take that uh, that player there. And really, is that, how much of a difference is that going to make on the Jets if they have a good running back? I mean, Frank Gore had a pretty decent season last year. He's like yeah, 87, but he is um, just like father time. I he is. He is. I don't know. I, I'm not making the argument that it's the right pick. I'm making the argument that I think having two first round picks might uh, make you feel a little more comfortable with taking a position that is more of a luxury. Back. Yeah. Yeah. What about what do, you, what do you guys think about the Jags at 25? Let, let me uh, here. Here's my thing. All right. So the Jaguars, obviously, they're drafting a quarterback first. All right. Yeah. But <clears throat> did you guys know? That last year, their starting quarterback for most of mo- who started eight eight of their games was Gardner Minshew, Drew's personal favorite. Hopes he's on the Seahawks. Gardner Minshew last year had a 66% completion percentage, threw for 250, 51 yards a game, 16 TDs, five INTs, and he averaged 10.5 yards per completion. So every time he completed a pass, he had a first down. So I mean, obviously, there's something to it if their their offense may not really be that bad. Well, what, what um, was and, his and completion percentage? Sixty-six <laughs> percent. But was but it? the thing is, though, you would yeah, that's not that bad. And you would yeah. think you would think that they would their their I think that they should draft a defensive player there. But I, I just think you know you're telling your fan base um, by by not drafting an offensive tackle or wide receiver. You're kind of telling your fan base, like, we're not going to bother. I think that's a bad message to send to your fan base. Um, so I think they're they're going they're going to go offense with both their picks and probably take an offensive tackle or wide receiver um, at the Jags pick is 20, I want to say. 20, 20 25, 25 is their second pick. Yeah. 25. I have them taking Christian Barmore from uh, Alabama. They, that's, they who allow- I have them, that's who I have them taking as well because – I think everybody you would take for value mm-hmm. uh, on the offensive line here is gone. But I think, and but I, I Urban, think they should. I mean, it's Urban Meyer. He's mm-hmm. repeatedly said that he wants to build in the defensive trenches and stack mm-hmm. that line. Mm-hmm. Barmore fits the bill. Yep. He's pr- probably got one of the best first steps on the board. Mm-hmm. In his last three games with the Crimson Tide, he had five tackles, two for a loss, Two sacks and a forced fumble. Yeah. Dude's ridiculous. He, he, mm-hmm. he showed up in big games. They gave up 2,452 2, rush yards last year, which was 30th in the league. I think they, they I, like I said, if they went offense here, it sends a good message to their fan base, and I think that's what they're going to do. But I think uh, a pick like Barmore is really the way to go. Because obviously their offense wasn't that bad. I mean, yeah. there's something to it. If Gardner Mitchell was completing passes. Well, what do you – let's get to the Ravens then because they're kind of interesting because they have the 27th and 31st overall pick in the draft, both in the first round. Who do you have them taking 27 and 31 here? I've, I've, I've got Ravens going Jalen Phillips at 27. 
They lost their edge rushers. Uh, Yannick and Udon are both gone. They average roughly 16 sacks collectively. Their current replacements are Derek Wolf and a 35-year-old Calais Campbell who combined to collect only five sacks last year. Mm -hmm. That's a problem. But it's easily solved by the addition of Phillips, whose history of concussions is the only reason he's going this late, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Despite his medical questions, he finished the 2020 season with 15 and a half sacks, or tackles, I'm sorry, for a loss, and eight sacks. If he can stay healthy, he's best edge rusher in this class, could be of great service Mm -hmm. to a team in need. And at 31, I have them taking Yaman Davis, the linebacker out of Kentucky, I, and this is crazy to me to say because it's hard to imagine Baltimore in need of a linebacker <laughs> given their history of having elite players at this position. But aside from Patrick Queen, the rest of the core is a mess. They need another alpha dog. Davis is a beast, and he can peel blocks, strong closing speed. It's monster coverage hound. In the 2020 season alone, he had 102 tackles, one and a half sacks, three interceptions, a defensive touchdown, and a block kick. In seven of those games, he had at least 10 tackles. Guys, bonkers. I was going to say, I don't know who the Ravens will take, but I do know it's going to be a phenomenal pick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I haven't, I haven't taken Terrence Marshall at 27, wide receiver from LSU. Um, and uh, late, I'd probably go with them taking – I got him taking Jason Owe from Penn State as a pass rusher. So I think they address both sides of the ball, and they just – add a little uh, a little more juice to their passing game and just give him more and more options because he's going to have to start winning games from the pocket a little bit more mm-hmm. moving forward because they'll figure out how to contain him or they're going to knock the shit out of him and he won't be playing. So um, he's got to win games from the pocket. And I think, you know, drafting or at least drafting a receiver yeah. is going to help him out. Yeah, agreed. I know nothing about our next topic, which is – Round one is in the bag, and now it's time for the meat of the draft, rounds two through seven. More often than not, this is where future Hall of Famers are buried. Ken, who are you putting in tonight? Told you so, time capsule. Well, I think we already mentioned Devontae Smith. If you pass on, you're passing up on a good player. But um, <clears throat> I think Zayvon Collins is a really good player. But uh, like I said before, I really like guys who are uh, – whose dad's played in the league. And I think Asante Samuel Jr. is going to be a really good pick. Mm. Uh, really like Rondell Moore from Purdue. I feel like Rondell Moore is a guy that will go to the Chiefs and Andy Andy Reid will, like, use him in all different types of ways, like returning kicks. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like uh, I also like Pat Fryermuth from, from uh, Penn State. Ooh, I got him on mine, too. I like him, too. Good yeah. player. Good player. <laughs> This is where uh, we should have a production meeting before these podcasts because uh, my guy's Rondell Moore. Like, he was such a beast his freshman year. Yeah. He got hurt his sophomore year, and then the COVID season kind of took that away. Um, he does need to be drafted to the right team because he won't succeed everywhere. But if he falls to a good offensive coach that can get him the ball in space, like an Andy Reid, um, he's going to be a beast. And I, yeah. I'm scared. I'm scared about what he's going to do if he falls to the right place. So my guys, that's my guy, Rondell Moore. I like that pick. I agree. I agree with you, Ken, on Fryermuth. I think, you know, obviously Kyle Pitts is unquestionably the top tight end this year's draft. But Fryermuth is a steal waiting to happen in the late second round 
or early third round simply because he had shoulder surgery in November, but he's the best blocker receiver combo combo Mm -hmm. tight end in the draft. He was named all big 10 by the league's coaches in 2020, despite playing in only four games in a shallow pool of tight end talent for our most looms large. My other two picks that I really like as sleepers. One is Nick Bolton linebacker out of Missouri for a kid that was projected to be a top 15 pick before the media began over analyzing the draft. It's shocking <laughs> to me to see most analysts projecting him to go in the second round or even the third, a prolific tackler whose speed is matched only by his decision-making. He logged 95 tackles in 10 games his junior season. People will say he's too small at six foot and 232 pounds, but that's ridiculous. Those people are haters. Another pick I have deep is Jalen Twyman, defensive tackle out of Pittsburgh. Prior to opting out of the 2020 season, Twyman was getting hyped as a candidate for the first round, registering 10 and a half sacks, 12 tackles for loss 2019. He has an undersized frame, which has hurt his value, and his pro day was a bit head-scratching. But it's hard to ignore tape that showcases a vicious motor and relentless productivity. He might not be ready to start in the NFL yet, but if he can learn the nuances of the position, he could be an explosive lineman and a powerful threat akin to, and you heard it here first, Aaron Donald. <laughs> mm. Nice. I don't know about akin to. He's the might be go down as the best defensive lineman of all time at this point. But <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, one la- I have one more guy. Uh, this is a slight homer. But um, I watch a lot of Washington football. They, if you haven't been following, they've been pumping secondary players into the NFL. They actually have the fourth most players drafted in the first or second round since 2014 of any school. Um, Buda Baker has been a beast for Arizona amongst many others. Um, Elijah Molden, I've watched a lot of the Washington games. He's been as good, if not better, than a lot of the guys that have been drafted. Um, and that that kind of hybrid uh, nickel corner, uh, Honey Badger-esque, is a, a very important piece of a defense. So yeah. uh, Elijah Molden is going to be a good NFL player. I like that pick. I think it's a good pick. All right. It's time for our rapid fire over-under selection round. I'll give Drew and Ken the player and the odds, and they'll give me their bets. Round one, fire. Justin Fields over under seven and a half. Drew? I'm going over, but not by much. I think he's going eight or right. or he's going before 10, but I got the over. Ken? I'm going under. Under. Trey Lance over under five and a half. Ken? I'm going under. Drew? Yeah, I'm taking the under. I think he's taking fourth, and I don't know if that'll mm-hmm. be by the Falcons or someone that trades up with the Falcons. All right. But I Sewell over under six and a half, Drew. I hate to say this, but I can't put faith in the Bengals making the right choice. I'm going over. Um, I'm taking him seventh to the Chargers. Ken. Same, same. All right. Same. Devonta Smith over under 11 and a half. Ken. Over. I think he's going to, like I said, he's going to be, he's going to slide because people are going to talk themselves out of it. Drew, you agree? I got over and I think I know where he's going to go. And Where? it's going to hurt hurt me as a Seahawks fan. The Cardinals at 14. Oof. Devastating. All right. Total quarterbacks drafted in first round over under five and a half. Drew. I got the over. I think um, someone late in the first round usually t- trades up 
or excuse me, someone in the second round trades up to late in the first round. Um, it'll either be Davis Mills or Kellen Mond. Somebody will like one of those two guys. And I think, I think there'll be six quarterbacks drafted in the first round. So you're okay. So you're over Ken over. I'm yeah. going over, I'm going over too. Like I, like I said, I think someone's, someone's going to draft Kyle Trask by the end of the first round. And okay. uh, if you listen to Chris Sims, and he, he was, he was right on Lamar Jackson. Uh, he's been really good, man. He, he thinks he's right Kellen on Patrick Mond, Mahomes too. Yeah, exactly. He thinks Kellen Mond should be taken in the first round too. Before I think before Justin Fields, he wow. has Justin Fields going thirty second. Mm-hmm. Wow! All right, total SEC players drafted in the first round over under twelve and a half. Ken, over always is true. I didn't even have to look at my picks, um, and I took the over mostly though because it's the SEC, but. They were the they were the that was the conference in a weird year that was probably the easiest to scout. They played a lot of good teams and they almost played a full schedule. Um, I think at least with the SEC, you know what you're getting when you draft them. Mm-hmm. Yep, second best football league on the planet. What draft term or cliche annoys you the most? Uh, I'm going with number one plays well in space um, <laughs> plays well amongst the cosmos. Usain Bolt would play well in space. Yeah, exactly. Uh, straight line speed. That's another one. Um, most people who straight line speed, if you don't have lateral quickness, it's not really going to help you very much. Um, he can make all the throws. He can make, can all, make the all the throws. throws. Yeah. yeah. Anybody that says all, can I all go the before throws, you take them all? I was just throwing some out there. Drew, go ahead. Ball skills. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. First of all, it's funny. First of all, it's funny. And second of all, I feel like punters probably have the best ball skills on the team. Like they have to they have to feel the long snap in a pressure situation, sometimes in the snow or rain. And then they have to punt the ball. 150 feet within like a five yard radius. And sometimes they have to hold for the kicker as well. So punters probably have the yeah. best ball skills in the NFL. Yeah. How about untapped potential? It's hmm. a good one. I feel like they say that all the time. The other one is edge rusher, which I'm guilty of using all the time, which is just a defensive end or an outside linebacker. I'm not sure why we've decided to start calling them edge rusher in the last <laughs> decade. Yeah. yeah. Phone, bo- phone booth guy. <laughs> you can put him in a phone booth. <laughs> what does that mean? Uh, I, I really don't know. I think you get means like he'll play wherever you, wherever you go. Here's another one. Looks like, <laughs> looks like Tarzan plays like Jane. Um <laughs> Yeah. Can we also stop? Can we also stop using phrases like "phone booth" where like everyone younger than me doesn't even know what that is? No idea. It's like I texted you guys this like the video game numbers. It's like video games are actually incredibly realistic now. Like we're not running uh, the same sweet play with Bo Jackson every time and yeah. rushing for eight hundred yards in a game. Like, yeah. The <laughs> other one that just drives me nuts that that they use every every draft is he's just he's a football player yeah <laughs> yeah no fucking duh <laughs> yeah. yeah i was looking at that one too or or uh what's the other one it all starts with the quarterback, quarterback. uh 
Hey, shows great physicality. Physicality is yeah. not a word. <laughs> <laughs> it's also like the the essence of the entire sport. So if you weren't good at being physical, I know. it seems like a problem. Yeah, it's going to be a problem. That's a problem. <laughs> it is. It is. It's hey, one bad. more get thing. Off. What, what, one, what about get off? What about get, get off? off? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sets a violent edge. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many that are so bad. It's a passing league. Uh, and it's funny when they're like, yeah, this guy was drafted in the fifth round, but all he does is make plays. Well, if all he does is make plays, don't you think a team would want him on their team a little sooner <laughs> than the fifth round? All he does is make yeah. plays. He can make all the throws. The other one, I say it all the time, so I have to cop to it as high football IQ. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which really means nothing. It just means it's like he's good. Yeah. Yeah. But we could probably go on for days. But if you've got a topic or a question you'd like us to consider for the show, please email fullblowncoverage at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to follow us on your favorite social media platforms at fullblowncvg. Drew, Ken, any closing comments before we sign off? No, I can hear my kids screaming in the other room. So <laughs> my wife's probably already mad at me. So let's just wrap this thing hey, up. Have we gotten any emails to that email address? You know what? I probably need to check it. You probably do. If there are <laughs> any, you have to send them. So because the next time we're we're going over them, I will. We probably have hundreds of thousands. Yeah, right yeah. Now. I'm sure we do. All right, that's all we've got for today's episode. But tune in next week for our post-draft breakdown on full-blown coverage. Full-blown. Full-blown. Full-blown draft. Right.